Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I'm excited tonight. Thank you all for coming out. Uh, who all brought a Bible tonight? Anyone bring a Bible up in here? Let me see. If you got a Bible, let me see it. Just let me see. If it's, if it's glowing, it doesn't count. Because if you need a word from God and your battery dies, I mean, come on, somebody, right? No, I'm just playing with you all. If you got a Bible, even if it's electronic, go with me to Mark chapter 4. I'm calling this message tonight, Stiller, Still. Say, Stiller, Still. Mark chapter 4, and we're going to pick up here, and I'm going to give a little pretext here. Jesus is, he's preaching like he typically does and teaching, and he's doing some beachside church. Okay, he's on the beach on the Sea of Galilee, and you know me, I'm, I'm kind of a person who believes in being a doer of the word. I think personally we as the church need to do a little bit more beachside church. All right, can I get a witness up in here? Come on. Amen. And so, and so but at the end of his sermon here, he says this. This is in Mark chapter 4, and uh, in verse 35, he says this. He says, let's, late that day, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. They, they took him in the boat as he was. Other boats came along, and a huge storm came up. Waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it. Then Jesus was asleep in the stern, head on a pillow. They roused him, saying, teacher, Is it nothing to you that we're going down? Awake now, he told the wind to pipe down, and he said, See, quiet, settle down. The sea ran out of breath, and the sea became as smooth as glass. Jesus reprimanded his disciples, says, Why are you such cowards? Don't you have faith at all? And that might kind of seem like harsh words coming from Jesus, you know, the kind, loving Jesus that we all know, right? The one that the, you know, the pictures are painted of and like he's always, you know, so meek and kind looking. But Jesus, he spent all day with his disciples. and He goes, man, where's y'all's faith, right? I mean, and, and so here, but Jesus, we see an example of Jesus not only as our savior, but as our example of what to, how to live life in the middle of a storm. And Jesus lived life still. Amen. Let's pray as we get into this. Father, I thank you for opening our eyes, giving us eyes to see Jesus, ears to hear his voice, and a heart and to mind to, to know and understand all who we are in Jesus and all who he is in us. Father, we thank you for speaking to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And y'all ever have a friend, just out of curiosity, that's like, you know, coaxed you to do something and, and it kind of backfired on you. Any, anyone ever have a friend like that that, you know, you know, maybe like egged you on to do something? Like maybe you had a friend like in the eighth grade who, you know, like gave you a little courage to ask out that girl you've been crushing on low key for six months. But you're too, you're like that kind of guy who's like too shy to ask her out. So you eventually do it, right? And once you ask her out, she's like, ah, I'm actually not looking for a boyfriend right now, right? I mean, which, I mean, I totally understand, like, you're in the eighth grade. When you ask her out, I mean, where are you guys going to go? You can't drive anywhere, right? I mean, but, I mean, it's just for, you know, asking out. But, you know, so you do it, and she's like, ah, I'm not looking for a boyfriend right now. And you're like, okay, cool, yeah, we just be friends, right? And the next day you show up, and she's dating the quarterback to the football team. You know, like, I mean, this is hypothetically speaking, mind you, of course, right? 
Or, uh, or maybe, maybe you had a friend who coaxed you. Maybe you were a pastor's kid and like seven years old, you were in the Sunday school and you know, you had a friend that coaxed you. He was like, hey, you know, uh, it'd be really funny, you know, if you just like mooned the entire class, you know, I mean, like everyone would love it. They'd think it's funny. And, you know, if you're a pastor's kid, you know, you love the spotlight, you know, and, and so, you know, you do that little, do you know, 20 years later, you know, your rear is still splintered from all the spankings you got. Like this is hypothetically speaking, of course, but, uh, you know, you ever had a friend that's, you know, coaxed you to do something and it kind of backfired on you. Or maybe, maybe you had a friend uh, that you had and you were growing up in the burb life. You know, maybe, maybe you were born in, you know, the Holy Land and it's six months old. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the Holy Land. Maybe you were born in the Holy Land and it's six months old. Your, uh, God called your parents to the mission field. So at six months old, you moved from Spokane, Washington, all the way to the godless wastelands of Oklahoma. You know, and, and so growing up in Midwest burb life, which, you know, you didn't choose it, it chose you. Um, you know, you're growing up and, you know, you got your Red Rover, Red Rover game going on. You know, you got your bicycle games and you got your cul-de-sacs you own. You guys, anyone in here know about the burb life? Anyone? Okay, cool. couple people. And so, uh, and so, you know, your friend coaxes you. You know, you're like, hey, we got like this maze, torrential ditch things going on on the side of the road. So, you know, we could like throw some water balloons like on some soccer mom vans driving by. It'd be really fun. It'd be awesome, right? And, you know, we get a couple and, you know, we scurry away with our little chicken legs. And like, it's awesome until you hit that one soccer mom who's got like quads that are like genetically engineered like Marshawn Lynch. And she's got the athleticism of Adrian Peterson. You know what I'm talking about? So your water balloon hits her car and she comes to a screeching halt and like steps out of the car. And it's like straight up Jurassic Park. You feel the, you feel the ground coming, uh, you know, just rumbling behind you. You know, you see the, the, the pool rippling beside you. You know what I'm saying? And she chases after you. She chases you down all the way to your home and lets your friend's mom and your mom know what you did, right? Anyone ever have a friend like that who's led you into a place or brought you into a place where it kind of backfired on you, right? Well, the disciples here are in the, kind of a similar scenario. Jesus says, hey, y'all, we've had a long, long day doing some beachside church. Okay, it's been good. It's been real. It's been fun. But let's go to the other side. All right, oh, whoa, and they're like, man, this is sweet, like, like a yacht party with Jesus? So it says they get in the boat with Jesus and the other boats, and I'm sure they're all like, you know, they got live harp music there. I'm sure, you know, they're all professional fishermen, so you know they're eating good, right? And so, you know, they're going to the other side, and they're probably like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm on a boat, you know, with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Come on, get your mind out of the gutter, y'all. Come on, we'll do an altar call later. Now I'm playing. And so, you know, and so they're on a boat with Jesus, and they're like, like, life couldn't be any better, right? And so Jesus retires to the stern, and then the worst thing that could possibly happen, happens. A storm comes up, but not just any storm, a storm that starts filling the boat. And then they start coming unglued. They're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? All hands on deck. The, the thing is going down. Now these are, uh, you know, professional fishermen. So when they say the boat's going down, you know this is like, you know, I don't know about you guys, I grew up in Oklahoma, city boy through and through, like, you know, I fished maybe once in my life, never been hunting, uh, you know, and so like, I, like I'm, I'm not like a country boy, you guys know, can anyone else in here like that, you know what I'm saying, I know we, okay, cool, Lewis is with me, Lewis is with me, you know what I'm saying. And so, uh, and so, you know, I have no idea, like, what, like, oh, we got some water in a boat, we sprung a leak. Like, I don't know, but, but these guys are professional fishermen. So when the boat's going down, you know the boat's going down, right? 
And so they're like, oh, what's going on? You know, they're scrambling for buckets. You know, Peter's probably barking out orders, you know, because he's like that. And all of a sudden they're like, wait a second, where's Jesus? What's going on, right? You know, shouldn't Jesus be out here helping us? After all, you know, he did come to save us, right? I mean, that's kind of like his job, right? Like, where's he at? And, you know, I'm sure like John gives him the benefit of the doubt and says, you know, he's, he's the son of God. He's got to be doing like his son of God duties down in the stern. He's, he's probably on his knees, praying for us, interceding for us, you know, just crying out to God on our behalf. That's probably what he's doing. And so they go down to the stern, and, and to their utter shock and horror, Jesus has the audacity in the middle of a life-threatening storm to be sleeping with his my pillow on the, in the stern. I mean, like, like, the nerve, the gall of Jesus to sleep in the storm. Doesn't he know what a storm can do? Doesn't he know that our lives are at stake? Everything we planned, everything we built, everything we're trying to do with Jesus is at stake here. Like, I thought he was coming to establish his kingdom. I thought he was coming to heal broken bodies. Doesn't he know if this ship goes down that we can't do that anymore? Doesn't Jesus know? Well, if, I mean, if, if all this is coming undone, does Jesus even care? Does Jesus even care what's happening to us? Does Jesus even know, like, does, does he even love us? And so here they begin to mull through these questions because all this stuff is happening in their life, and it doesn't seem like Jesus is doing anything. You know what I'm saying? And so they go to him and they say, and, and they say, Jesus, teacher, is it nothing to you that we go down? The New Living Translation says it like this. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown Jesus, don't you care? You know, one of the number one things of, uh, of a life, of a, of a mark of someone who lives in, in doubt of God is questioning God's love for them. Here they see a lot of stuff that's going on in their life that's like up against them, you know. All the dreams that they built are being shattered before their eyes. And they begin to doubt, man, does Jesus even care about me? Does Jesus even have my best interest in mind? Does Jesus really go on, go to bat for me whenever I need someone to go to bat for me? Is Jesus really got my back? Does he? Jesus, don't you care? And this is Jesus' response. He says, why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? You know, if we know anything about faith, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says this, that faith comes by hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. How many of y'all know the word should have a huge place in our life? Right? I mean, worship's great and all. Worship's great, but worship cannot bring you faith. Worship can build your faith, but it can't bring you faith. Right? Let's talk about community here a second. Now, you know here at 318, we big on community, right? Like we have a community dinner at Buffalo Wild Wings after here. We be throwing down some wings, you know what I'm saying? But community can't bring you faith. Community can build your faith, but it can't bring you faith. There's only one thing that can bring you faith, and that's the word of God, right? And so Jesus says, wait, wait, hold up. Where is y'all's faith, right? Now, it would be one thing if Jesus, if faith comes by the word, if Jesus never said anything to him, like, it'd be kind of unfair. Like, whoa, whoa, Jesus, what do you mean where's my faith? Like, I don't have anything to believe in, Jesus, right? But they're on, of course, they're on the boat, right? But you know what Jesus preached just hours before they got on the boat? Check this out. Let's back on up here in Mark chapter, chapter 4. To, uh, check this out in verse 16. 
coincidentally, that comes before verse 35. You'll find that happens all throughout the Bible. It says this, and some are like the seed that lands in gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. Anyone in here, anyone in here go to a church that, you know, like whenever the word is preached, like the place comes unglued? You know what I'm talking about? Like if you go to a church that I grew up in, like, you know, the pastor comes up, he reads the first scripture, people start doing laps. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember growing up and like the praise and worship team never left the, never left the pulpit, never left the stage. And there are times whenever things got so wild that the drummer, like the drums would just cut out. And you're like, where's the drums? And like the drummer's doing laps around. But, you know, if you were healed from stage, the last stage of leukemia where the doctors gave you six, uh, six days to live, you know, I think, you know, you might be doing some laps too, you know, and Jesus healed your body, right? Anyway, that's another story for another time. But, you know, and so, I, you know, these people are here, they receive the word with great enthusiasm. You know, they're like, yeah, that's good. You know, they're, they're getting excited about it. They're retweeting it. They're putting up on their Instagram story. They're, re, they're putting on Facebook, you know. They're, I mean, they're, they're so excited about it. All right, but then check it out. Jesus says, when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. So see, see, they're excited about the word, but and when they when they get when they get when they get it, and but whenever some difficulty arrives, when a little tension comes, when push comes to shove, what's holding up? Because you can't live off of emotions alone, right? That's why if you're trying to build a relationship strictly off of emotions, you hold it on, put, man, put it on break. I, oh, I'm talking to him, Lewis. I'm talking to him. You need to get with your pastor if you're trying to build a relationship only off of emotions. You're setting yourself up for failure. All right. Anyway, that, that's a side note tonight. Anyway, but so these people building their lives off of emotionalism, and whenever push comes to shove, man, life comes crumbling down like a house of cards, right? You know what I'm saying? And so, but check it. He said right at the beginning here, he said, some are like seed that lands in gravel. And when they hear it, they respond with enthusiasm. The New Living Translation says it like this. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it. But since they do not have deep roots. So you see, they get, they get the word, but it doesn't go down deep. It's, it's really shallow, shallow. It's superficial. Their relationship is superficial, just like their other, the relationship with God is superficial, like their relationships with everyone else are superficial, right? Like this is the person, now I, I can speak firsthand because I've been this guy from time to time where, you know, you just, you low-key, you know, just enter into people's lives via Instagram story, you know, and like, you know, you hang out a time or two and then you claim them as your best friend when really, you know, like only their favorite color, Right? Right? Our relationship with God has go got to go a little bit deeper than God's favorite color. Amen? Which means you got to spend some time with God, right? Which means you might have to spend a little less time doing other things, right? Anyway, I'm jumping ahead of myself here just a little bit. But here, so um, it says shallowness of soil. These people receive it, and they're excited about it. They're, you know, they're shouting it down. They're doing laps. You know, they're, they're retweeting it. They're writing blogs about it. It's awesome. But there's such shallowness of soil that when push comes to shove, they're like, ah, no, nah, maybe, maybe this isn't quite for me. Maybe I, maybe I wasn't cut out for this. Maybe, maybe this is just a little too, 
harder. Like, I thought Jesus came to give me life and life more abundantly. This is like hell and hell more abundantly. Like, I'm not in all this right here, you know. Like, Jesus, where are you at? You know? So what about roots? How deep does the roots grow? And and what should we be rooted in here? Well, Ephesians chapter 3 says this in verse 16 in the New Living. It says, I pray from this glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You see, Jesus said, these people, their roots are shallow. They ain't going deep. Their their heart is shallow. Their relationship with the Father is shallow. And so no wonder whenever push comes to shove, when the emotions wear off, that, you know, they just give in. It's because they're not rooted in how much God loves them. You see, if, if we have a concept of how much God loves us, let's put ourselves in the disciples' position. You know, like if, if Jesus says, hey, y'all, let's go to the other side. And you really know who Jesus is. You have trust in who Jesus is. If, if God's going to let, if God's not going to let Jesus drown, then if you're with Jesus, you're going to be all right. Doesn't matter how big the storm looks, doesn't matter how much water's in your boat, or here, let's just put it in our modern day vernacular. It doesn't matter how much it seems like your life is falling apart before your very eyes. If you're following passionately after Jesus, if Jesus is go, if Jesus goes down, then then we got issues. We got problems. Then you can sweat it. Then you could be like, oh shoot, then you could brace yourself. But if Jesus isn't going down, and last time I checked, he's still seated at the right hand of God. He's not pacing the throne room thinking, oh my dad, what am I gonna do? No. <laughs> Church jokes. And so he's still seated. If he's still seated, then I'm gonna have full assurance, man, I'm gonna be all right. Amen. He says here that your, your roots may go down deep into, uh, into God's love and keep you strong. Check in. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. I love that. You don't have to understand everything about God to experience the fullness of God. You see, the devil will try and convince you, you know, um, the reason why your life isn't as good as it should be, as you, as you see everyone else's. The reason why you're not doing awesome, the reason why you're not doing hot is because you just don't know enough about God. You got to read more. You got to go to more Bible studies. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to listen to more podcasts. You obviously don't know enough. And that's why, you know, your relationship with God is super shallow. You know, I don't know about you, anyone else here uh, an ice cream addict? Like, when I say addict, like, I, I, I really do mean addict. Like, I came home from my shift at Logan's last night, went straight to the freezer, busted out some mochi, and, you know, just probably ate way more than I should have. You know, anyone else in this category of ice cream addicts, you know? And so I have no idea how ice cream is made. I have no idea. I know it comes from cows, most of it, unless you get, like, that goat stuff, weird stuff they sell at Whole Foods or, you know. Or Halo Top, which ain't even really ice cream. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You know me, Lewis, right? <laughs> and so, uh, hey, you know, 
Forgiveness, it's a part of the gospel. You got to do it. And so, <laughs> but you know, I have no idea how ice cream is made, but I tell you what, I sure enjoy me some ice cream. Anyone else in here? Come on, right? You, see, the, the devil's going to try and convince you, you, you don't know enough about God. You don't know enough about his word. Man, you, man you've only been saved two years, and, and you expect to experience the blessings of God in your life? You expect to experience the goodness of God? Now, you don't, you don't know enough. You haven't been serving enough. You have, we all know you haven't been given enough. You know, there's no way you can expect to experience the blessings of God. You know, you're just tithing? Please. The good givers give at least 15%, if not 20. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? God will try to convince you you don't know enough. You can't do enough. But here it says we can experience it although we don't know it entirely. Isn't that good? And then he, gets, he, he drops this bomb right here. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Wait, 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 wait. Check that out. You'll be complete with the fullness of God. How many of y'all want your life to be filled with the fullness of God? To be complete, like, like not lacking anything, right? You know where it comes from? Knowing how much God loves you. Wait, wait, but I don't know a whole lot about, like, that revelation stuff and, like, the end-time prophecy. No, no, you want to be complete with the fullness of God. You know where it comes from? How much God loves you. Wait, but I don't know, like, all the Old Testament stories and, like, uh, like, the, like the sequence of events. And no, that doesn't come with the fullness of God. You know where it comes from? According to right here in this scripture, it comes from knowing how much you're loved by God. How much God is infatuated with you. How much God is enamored with you. How much God is obsessed with you. You see, they came into the stern that, that evening. They said, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're going down? Don't you care, Jesus? You see, they didn't know how much Jesus cared. They didn't know how much the Father had cared for them. Shallow roots. But let's look at the flip side here. Now let's talk about, you know, Jesus and his position and his place. You know, Jesus was fully confident that his father loved him. You know, he had no question on earth, you know, whether God, yeah, you know, maybe God loves me. I don't know. I've been, you know, acting a fool from time to time. No, there was never any of that. Jesus was fully persuaded, fully confident that his father loved him. So that way, whenever he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, he had no problem going to sleep in that stern. And he knew fully, he, he, he knew full and well that that storm was coming, right? You know, I don't see Jesus, you know, sweating it actually at all from time to time, except for in the garden, when it, right before he went to the cross. But, you know, whenever he's out, you know, walking on the water, you know, taking that midnight stroll, and, and the disciples start freaking out, you know, uh, Jesus, he... Uh, He's walking on the storm, if you go back and read it. And, uh, and Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, uh, call me out there, right? And, uh, and Jesus said, now, Peter, listen, it's pretty wavy out here. It's a pretty stormy out here. You know, there's a lot of waves. Uh, are you sure, bud, right? You see, what we don't know sometimes is whenever we choose to follow Jesus, if we really want to pursue Jesus, if we want to, if we want to follow him, Jesus may lead us into some places that might be a little uncomfortable for us, that there might be a little bit of difficulty involved. You know, Jesus said, hey, let's go over to the other side. The disciples were like, yeah, boat party with Jesus. Two hours later, storm, right? 
Now, Jesus is getting them from point A to point B. He's not, his goal isn't to get them into the storm. But sometimes when you're going from point A to point B, there's going to be some storms, right? The, the Israelites getting out of Egypt, getting out of slavery, going to the promised land, they had to go through the desert to get to the promised land, right? A lot of times we ascribe all the hardship in our lives. We just say, oh, man, just the devil's coming against me. And, and, you know, a lot of it is the devil, absolutely. But you know what? God's getting you from point A to point B. And if you hang on in there, if you stick with him through the journey, he's going to get you there all right. Amen? Jesus here, he's in the stern. and Or, or, or here, here uh, you know, let's say with, with Peter, whenever he's walking on the water and and Jesus never said, all right, okay, hold up, Peter. All right, now, water, you be still, and then Peter's going to come out, all right? No, he called Peter out into the storm, you know? And the thing about following after Jesus is, you know, our lives as Jesus followers are, there's two parts to it. Us personally, you know, God's relationship to us, and then God's relationship through us to other people. And I've come to know this in my short 27 years of living, living is this, that people go through a lot of stuff. I mean, people go through the thick of life. Life isn't fair. Storms happen. I know the bumper stickers say it differently, but, you know, that's the Bible version, right? And so, you know, storms happen. And you know what? Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, humanity, you, you come to me where it's nice and safe and, you know, it's like 75 with no humidity all the time. You know, you come to me and no, no, no. Jesus left the delicacies of divinity, stepped down and put skin and bones on and dwelled among sinful men and succumbed himself to the same temptations and the same tendencies of mankind, yet persevered through them sinless to make a way for us. He stepped into our storm to bring us out of the storm of sin. And if you follow Jesus, he's going to lead you to other people who are in the midst of their storm. And you may have to step into their storm temporarily to help get them out. And let me hear, but let me put it for you this way. Peter, he stayed afloat in the storm as long as his eyes were on Jesus. Amen. For real. And so here, Jesus, but Jesus, he had a, a stillness about him. He had the ability to just be still. Psalms chapter 46 says this, and this is coming in clutch with the new King James. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm my God. I don't, know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I find it like really hard sometimes to be still. You know, especially with we live in a very busy world. Right. And Instagram sure doesn't help. Right. You know what I'm saying? I find myself sometimes where I have to go put my phone in my room just to read my Bible because I sit down to read my Bible. I, this happened just the other day. I opened up uh, my Bible, read one verse and said, oh my gosh, that is so good. And opened up Instagram just out of habit. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even sit here and hear God's voice. I got to go put this work of the devil away. You know what I'm saying? And if you're not careful, you know, we have to say, be still and know that I'm a God, but you know, that I am God. But the key to being still in life, the key to hearing God's voice, the key to being able to be still like Jesus was in the stern is the second part of this verse. Know that I am God. 
You see, God has got your back. God is for you and not against you. That's what Romans chapter 8 says. The, uh, the Romans chapter 8 says, man, if someone brings a charge against God's elect, if someone's coming up throwing shade on people, if someone's coming up trying to condemn you, judge you, make you feel bad because of past decisions, or maybe the stuff that you're still working through right now, what's, what's God, what, what are we going to say to that? And it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? The Bible says that you are, because of Jesus, established in righteousness. You know who your God is, that God is working on your behalf. Isaiah in the New Living says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. A God like you who works for those who wait on him. You see that? God is working on your behalf. God's working behind the scenes. It may not seem like, you know, anything's happening, but God's working behind the scenes, right? There was a storm on the outside going, but Jesus was sleeping on the inside. Be still and know that I am God. This verse is predicated by the first verse in this chapter. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That means God's not on the way when trouble comes. God is with you before the trouble even shows up, right? Now, the difference between someone who's going crazy in life and, and doesn't know what to do and like, just like, oh, 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 you know, oh my goodness, what, what's going on? And someone who's at rest and still on the inside is, is learning to see what Jesus is doing and, and doing what he's doing. You know, if we go into the stern and, like I said earlier, if Jesus is pacing the floor and he's sweating it, then we have reason to sweat it. But if Jesus is still, we can be sure that we can be still. Amen. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God, he's our very present help in time of need. Um, the, bad, the band can go ahead and come on up. And I'm not a very long-winded preacher, so I hope you guys don't mind. But, um, and so, but, you know, the thing about God being our very present help is God's with you in your trouble. God's with you in your trouble. And in fact, I'd go on to say this. God's pursuing you in your trouble. There's a story that Jesus says in Luke chapter 15. And it's, we know it in our church as the, the parable of the prodigal son. And I'll paraphrase it for you, but you can go read it in Luke 15. It's a story about this son who comes to his dad and he says, Dad, um, I wish you were dead. I want all your inheritance now. I want it now, and, and he moves essentially to Amsterdam and, you know, blows it all away. And then, you know, after he becomes broke, and he's like, oh, my gosh, what can I do? And he starts working at the lowest job in society. He's the scum of the earth. He's a failure. He's, a, he's, a, he's you know, wrecked his family's name. And he, say, he comes to himself, and he says, man, Man, my, my family that I came from, man, their servants eat better than what I'm eating now. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fabricate a repentance story, go to my dad. If he buys into it, maybe I can just be a servant, right? So he goes, and the Bible says this, while he was a still a far way off, the father saw him and ran to him. And hugged him, embraced him, and, and restored him back to where he was as if he never skipped a beat. 
You see, the son felt like he had to fabricate this thing. He, he felt like he had to do something to put himself in a place of, okay, God can take care of me now. My father can take care of me now. My father can bless me now. No, you see, God's, uh, the character of Christ is not defined by your behavior, but it's by belief in knowing how much you're loved. The character of Christ is not defined by your behavior, but by your belief in how much you are loved by God, right? Let me ask anyone in here, for those of you, you know, if you are born again, you've been in church a while, you know, you know Jesus. Anyone in here worked their way, earned their salvation? Like you got, you did so good, you served at enough 318s, you gave enough in the offering that God is like, oh my gosh, I, I owe you some salvation. You know, no, no. Now, if you can't work your way into salvation, what makes you think you can work your way out of it? What makes you think you can undo what Jesus has done through his death, burial, and resurrection? You see, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Last time I checked, the blood of Jesus is far more powerful than anything you could ever do in your life. And you simply have faith and trust in the blood of Jesus. Man, God's going to go to bat for you. He's your father, and he loves you. And maybe you're in here, and you're like, Jared, man, that's a, that's, that's a little far-fetched. That's, that seems a little too good to be true. Welcome to the gospel. It's called good news. Amen. And so uh, right now, uh, real quick, let's stand up real quick. And with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, if... If that's you, if you identify with that, you go, Jared, you know, I've, I've heard a little bit about Jesus. I grew up in Shreveport. Everyone knows about Jesus here, right? But I've never really experienced the love of Jesus. I don't really know Jesus. Like, I know about the Bible. I've picked up a couple tracks in the stalls. I've talked to some people with the WWJD bracelets on. But I don't really know Jesus. Like, I don't know him. My relationship isn't deep with him. Or maybe you're like, yeah, at one time I did know Jesus, but man, I just, I just stopped talking. I stopped talking to him. I stopped listening to what he had to say. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand here in just one second, because God wants to meet you where you're at. God will meet you where you're at. Now, the thing about religion, religion will tell you that you got to build up this facade. You got to come to God and look a certain way. You got to have your acts together. But God will meet you where you're at. He won't meet you where you pretend to be. God will meet you where you're at. The fishermen were very rough around the edges. The disciples were very rough around the edges. Peter even cussed a few times. You know? We see people who Jesus used. You know? The person who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, his previous occupation before authoring the New Testament was he was a professional Christian killer. And so I'm pretty sure if you haven't been that far, God, and he, and he was, his name was Paul. He used to go by Saul, but he had a radical face-to-face -face transformation with Jesus. And he began to know all this stuff that I've been going against, man. I didn't, I had doubt in this Jesus thing. I had doubt in this whole church thing. 
I didn't think it was all legit. I had no idea that the grace of God was so powerful, that the grace of God was so real, that the blood of Jesus really could step in. And instead of me trying to work to get in front of God and work to get in God's in God's good grace and, and work to get in God's favor and work to get God to say, yeah, yeah, this, kid, this kid's all right, this kid's good. Jesus made a way for me to freely step in front of God and say, God, if you say I'm your child, I'm your child. If you say I'm righteous, I'm righteous. If you say that I'm holy, then I, I, I'm holy. I'm not going to argue with you, God. If you did it for me because of Jesus, I have enough faith to believe that. And if you can take my life and what I've done to it thus far, and you can move on it, you can, you can put the blood of Jesus over it, you can put your grace over it, you can breathe on it, and your Holy Spirit can move in my life and turn it into something that I have tried to wreck, then by all means, come and invade my life. Make it something, God. And that's what he did to this man named Paul, and he went from being a professional Christian killer to authoring two-thirds of the New Testament. I tell you what, no one is too far from the love of God. No one is too far from the grace of God. No one is too far from the favor of God. And the devil will try and tell you, no, you haven't done enough. But Jesus says, listen, I've done it all. Amen. The work for God's grace, the work for his favor has all been done through the cross. And now God all asks of us is to believe it. Amen. So if that's you, real quick, I want you to slip up your hand. No one's looking around. You say, yes, I want to be in on this. Yes, I may have been acting a fool recently. I may have been messing up, but I want in on this grace. I want in on this favor. I want in on this. I want in on this. Okay, okay, we got a couple hands going up. Awesome. Praise God. I want you to pray this with me and fill your, fill your heart with faith as we pray this. Say, Father God, come into my life. Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. Make me whole. I know I've done a lot. And I've, I've wrecked my life. Maybe I've done a little and just messed up my life. But Father, I want you to come in. I want you to save me. I want you to come in and make me right before you. I believe in what you've done through Jesus. I believe in what you've done through his cross. And Father, as I follow you, even if things continue to be a little rocky, I will have the audacity. I'll have the faith in your love for me that says when the storms are around, I'm going to take a nap in the stern. I believe my father is good i believe father you're good to me if that was your first time praying that with us man we want to get to know you want to hear you we're going to go into this last song here real quick and if you need prayer for anything we have our prayer leaders on the side you know and uh one thing about being still i'll throw in this last point there's one more story in the bible where these people one lady's named Martha, one lady's named Mary, and they're spending some time with Jesus. Jesus is in their house, and, and Mary, she's spending time at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is slaving away at the kitchen. You know, for us who are in church and us who are involved in church, 
It's easy sometimes if we're not careful to busy ourselves so much with the doing of Christianity that we forget the really purpose of Christianity, and that is relationship with God, right? Now, I'm not talking to some of you guys who are lazy and you know you need to get off your blessed assurance and get on a serve team. No, but I'm talking to some of you other guys who you're like me and you're so filled with compassion for people that your time is consumed and, 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 you're, and your schedule is so filled and you think, God, I, 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 I haven't talked to you in a while. I haven't gotten in your word. I haven't prayed in a while. You see, sometimes being still means we have to, we have to take some time aside from the responsibility of Christianity and get with the Christ authored Christianity. If this message encouraged you and you want to know more about 318 Live, go ahead and visit our website, 318live.co, and we hope that you have the best day ever.